Well, I've got a little thing that I want to start with, something funny. And uh, in a church one Sunday morning, a preacher said, anyone with special needs who wants to be prayed for, please come to the front right now. With that, Peter got out of his chair, went and stood in the line. He says, Peter, what do you want me to pray for? The preacher said. He said, um, preacher, I need you to pray for help with my hearing. So the preacher got one finger, put it into one finger of his hand into Peter's ear and the other hand on his head. And they start to pray and start to pray. And the whole congregation joined and was so much enthusiastic about praying. After a while, he stopped and the preacher removed his hands. And he says, Peter, how is your hearing now? Peter answered, I don't know. My hearing is next Thursday. <laughs> Not bad. At least you think it's funny, you know. At least somebody thinks it's funny. Okay, so we are in this, um, doing a book of John, 1 John, right? In the middle of the book of 1 John. And um, very exciting. And, and in book 1, 1 John, uh, Paul, that's Paul, John, just relax. You know, when I start preaching, that's why I always go so fast. Because I put here, look, it says slow. Slow down. Slow. It's just, I get so excited, you know. I want to go to the end page already, you know. But I know I've got to go through the whole you know what I mean? So uh, that's why sometimes I go too fast, but I got to slow down. So we're not talking about Paul. He will come up in this thing, but we're talking about John. So John, he wrote, right, uh, about uh, a lot of things. But one of the things he talks about is the God of light. Three things he talks about in this book. The God of light, the God of love, and the God of life. Now, I was going to finish with life today, but I'm not going to. Because the, the three chapters in between, we did one, which I did two weeks ago. We kind of last week, um, Josiah did kind of two and three. I was going to do four, but it's all about love. Two, three, four, all about love. So I thought, no, I'm going to do love. And next week, or after the conference, I'll do uh, life. And uh, so I want to stay with this uh, for now. And I want to talk about John, the Apostle John. Now, he's just an interesting character. Because it really shapes his life and his own testimony, shapes... What actually comes out in his writings, his own character and his journey with Jesus Christ. He, of course, wrote 1 John and 2 John, and it's amazing, also 3 John. And then he also wrote the Gospel of John and Revelation. Did you know that he was a very old man when he wrote Revelation on the island of Patmos? He was an old man. Actually, do you know that he was the only uh, apostle who was not in the end actually go to, grew to old age. Everybody else was martyred or killed in some way. He was an old man. He lived long. Do you know he was the only one who saw Jesus being crucified? He was actually there. And he witnessed his friends, you know. Terrible. And Jesus talks to him. And there's a relationship, such a powerful relationship with him. Now, now, John was the younger brother of James. Now, and they were hoots together. They were just amazing together. They had such an incredible zeal in life. They had so much zeal that one time when they were with Jesus, they were angry with something with the Samaritans. He said to Jesus, can we please ask fire to come down and to consume these Samaritans? And Jesus said, sorry, but we're not living in the Old Testament anymore. It's a new covenant. No, you can't do this. But the thing is, though, they were so full of zeal. They were so radical and quite rogue, to be honest with you. That's why they were called the sons of thunder. They were rogues, sons of thunder. Actually, John was actually, apparently, he was rugged, he was intolerant, he was narrow-minded, he was unbending, he was reckless, and he was brash. He was a son of thunder. Like this. 
But in the Bible here, he is revealed as the apostle of love. So what happened? What happened to this man? He writes about love. He, loves, he, writes about, he writes about his love for Christ. He writes about the love for the church. He writes about the love for other people and for each other. So what happened? Well, the Bible says, it shows what happened. He had a powerful encounter with the living God. But God himself into Jesus Christ. And it changed everything. It transformed his greatest weakness into his greatest strength, liability, into assets, assets. John also had a powerful zeal and passion for the truth. He was a real truth man, no gray area. And you can see all throughout his writings about this stuff. Everything was black and white, right and wrong, light and dark, love and hate, life and death, obedience and disobedience. See, in Revelation, you see it even. If you're not hot, you're not cold, warm, look warm, I'll spit you out. That whole thing, that's, that's John. He's very radical because he is, you're in or you are out. And you see this, and there's no in between for John. He's a real hardliner. It's right or it's wrong. Like that. But the problem was that he had quite a narrow perception of the truth. And three years with Jesus changed everything. And he changed from a son of thunder to the apostle of love and the apostle of grace. You know, he already committed his life early to truth finding and truth in this way. He was apparently uh, John the Baptist, a real kind of following John the Baptist all the time and just being truthful and all this kind of stuff happening. And then when John the Baptist says, see, here is Jesus Christ. When he started coming before he was baptized, this is the son, this is the Lamb of God. He was slain before the foundation of the world. That whole thing, Lamb of God, you know. And so he, then he, of course, started following uh, Jesus Christ in this way. But it was really, really powerful. He had a lot of truth in his life, but he was lacking in love. He had not had a revelation of the love of God. You know, when you hang around Jesus for a while, and Jesus is love and compassion personified, truth also, but love, you change, you know. Things just happen. And so this was happened with him. This man was so intolerant. He was so black and white. Maybe some of you are like that. Black or white. No middle ground. Black or white. You know, he was even like fighting with James and Peter, you know, say, hey, who's the greatest? Remember the kingdom of God with Jesus? Who's the greatest here, you know? Like talking about all like, this stuff. He said, hey, up yourself, man. It's not about right and wrong and being the best all the time and being so intolerant. He hadn't learned love. He knew truth, but not love. See, love in Corinthians says this, love is patient and love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable. He was very irritable. Intolerant, resentful, and keeps no record of being wronged. And so John was on this journey to learn the balance between truth and love. And that you need both. To be zealous for the truth is very, very important, but it needs to be balanced with love. Earlier on in the scripture, about Corinthians says this, If I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all of God's secret plans and what's going on in the world, and possessed all knowledge, 
all truth. I know everything. And if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love, it, I would be nothing. And early on he says, you'd be like clashing cymbals, which is cool in worship. But in the meaning of life, clashing cymbals is nothing. You are nothing if you don't have love. A few years ago, some of you know the story. I'm not going to tell the whole story. I'm just going to highlight the thing. A few years ago, I made a mistake. I came into truth that I felt was truth for me, and I thought I was very right. And I thought that I had to put my rightness to other people and blame somebody else. Now, the church in the city, and I've been, I'll probably cry in a minute, but the thing is, though, it was really bad. And I didn't know at that time because I was so zealous. I was like, I was like John, I was so zealous for the truth. It's right, and you're wrong. And then one day, God told me, he said, Gideon, you may be right, but you've got a lousy attitude. You are so wrong. Love is more important than being right, Gideon. And I had to go to this pastor, ask forgiveness, and I cried, he cried. And we made up, and it was beautiful. But the thing is, though, it's so easy, it's so easy that we become so arrogant that we know the truth, but we don't have love. And the things don't come together. It doesn't work. See, Jesus was perfect truth, but also perfect love and John had a revelation about this and he starts writing about this and you see it all through the gospel and one John and then all everywhere for for example this John 1 14 the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us remember he talked about the whole incarnation so important because he was still even here he was still talking about the whole those agnostics you know who didn't believe that Jesus came in the flesh and all this kind of stuff we have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of what grace and truth other translation says like you said Catherine loving kindness or love and truth Jesus was both love and truth in this way and then and then and then John in his writings 45 times he uses the word truth but more than 80 times he uses the word love and love became the anchor of the truth that John was so passionate about and everything changed you know we need both truth and love as believers I believe in life so be a believer for this love and truth see if you have truth without love it can become very brutal I tell you even in a relationship friendship or that can I say even in marriage if 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 you're married to truth oh Don't everybody look at Catherine. She's truth and love. The thing is, though, if it's only truth, you're like married to the law. Best to be right. Yeah, but what about? Best to be right. You're wrong. Because you're right. Can you believe married to somebody, be a friend with somebody who's just right all the time, and you've got to live up to this rightness all the time? You can't do it. You need grace in your life. You need love in your life. It's got to be sandwiched with love, too. You can't just say, but also, if it's only love, man, there's no character. There's no consistency. This loving can be so incredibly shallow and can be so incredibly lame. And Jonathan and I talked about this in one of our Bubble, Bubble Dutch things, uh, podcast, that the whole thing in the world right now, everything is about love. It's all about being tolerant, but the problem is it's about tolerance, but there's a lack of concern for the truth because there is no truth. There is no absolute truth. And so it's love. You've got to love somebody. Yeah, but the Bible says this. Who cares? If it's right for them, it's right for them. You gotta love them. Really? I don't see it in Jesus. 
I see his love and truth. Truth and love. It's both at the same time. And this has been given birth to a, quite a PC culture. Come on, be honest. In this world, now I don't think some PCs is wrong. Some PC is very important. Equality, those kind, very important. But I think some has got a bit over the top, right? And this whole woke culture, come on, this whole woke culture is pretty wokey. That is pretty out there. I tell you, I think it's rebellious. It's out of line. It's out of divine order completely. I'm so sorry. I'm going to say it here, and it's the way it is, in my view anyway. It's just wrong. Because, again, it's based on this love that's good for me. I don't like you. Or you challenge me. I don't want to be challenged. Go away. And so people hide in small groups and home church and all kinds of stuff like this. Go away from me. I don't want to have fivefold accountability. It's too scary. Anyway, I'm trying to be good. I won't go further. So John becomes a powerful advocate of love, but never compromising the truth. He is the one who writes in John 14, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the love. He is the light. He is everything in this way. It's so incredibly powerful. And him being around Jesus for three years completely shaped his life, particularly in the area of love. Do you know that he never mentions his own name when he writes? He never mentions his own name. The only thing what he says is, as some of you know, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Right? Well, you don't believe me. It says here, it says here in, for example, 1323, one of the, this is here, John writing here, one of his disciples, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved was at the table leaning against Jesus' breast on his chest. The disciple that Jesus loved. I want to say something to you. I think he was the only one of the disciples who actually had the revelation of the love of God. Real love of God. He was lying on his breast at the thing, you know, with Jesus. And then he was so close to hearing the heartbeat of heaven. This heartbeat of heaven, which is the love of God, because God is love. And he was saying this, oh, he was marinating in the love of God. So powerful. It changed his life. He was totally undone by the love of God. And that's why all these things we see in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, John's gospel, even Revelation, we see that love is such a powerful theme. He becomes so close to Jesus. He was so intimate with him because he knew his love. He knew the love of God. And then he starts writing these beautiful things. Look what he says. He says, dear friends, verse 7 of 1 John 4, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love, love does not know God because, everybody, God is love. And this is how God showed his love amongst us, that he sent his own and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he, come on, loves us, loved us. And sent his son as atoning sacrifice for us. Since, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also should love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And this love is made complete in us. Verse 16. He says it again. Say it together. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. And God in you know, surely love 
is the mark of a Christian. Amen? They say they will know us by our love. No. They'll know us by our truth. It doesn't say in the Bible. It says me. It says they will know us by our love. Is truth important? Absolutely. Truth is important. But love is more important. And it's got to be connected together. Absolutely. Everything is got to be based in love. Jesus loves me. This I know. But do you know? Verse 19, one of the most important sentences in the whole Bible. It's written on your arm, tattooed on Josiah's arm. Come on, show it, man. Show it here. You got any other sleeve, man. Take your, take your thing off, man. Take your clothes off. <laughs> David, David took his clothes off. David was worshiping God, took his clothes off in front of all the people. His wife didn't like it. He was like, but... Uh, Tattooed on his arm here and inside for Josiah, he showed us last week, is we love because he first loved us. The whole New Testament, the whole New Covenant is based on God's love for us. Always has been, always will be. Everything is from him. He's the source. Everything starts with him. Everything comes from him. And now as Christians, the only way that we can become mature and start really living the Christian life is that we know how to receive his love and receive the blessing and receive the promises and receive how good are you and me in receiving that is the question are we good at receiving what god has done for us now when i look around and in our pastoral work i think a lot of people have not experienced the love of god they know about the love of god but they haven't experienced the love of god like leticia the seller that's totally undone you know have any of you ever been undone? So undone that you just start crying like a baby. You're so overwhelmed with the love of God that He is so blimmin' good. He's so amazing that you get tears in your eyes. All this love, which is also expressed in joy and peace, comes out because love is joy, peace, patience, kind. It's all a product of love. All these things start to welling up in your life. You get excited about the Lord, and everything is so amazing. Overwhelmed. Overwhelming. I know not everybody has experienced that. I know because I see it and I feel it. Many people see the action love of God, which is amazing. Salvation, those is the action love of God. He does something for me. Praise God he does something for me, right? I mean, he did something amazingly for us, didn't he? Salvation, come on. This is how, we, how God showed his love, verse nine, 9, among us. He sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. See, salvation is a gift from God. And lovers, if you love us, you give something. When you're married or your friend or whatever, you give something because you love, right? And that's a gift. That's an action. But that's not the same as, as feeling the love, as being the love. As, as, although some of you have, of course, the gift of giving. You feel the love as you give. Fair enough. But I'm trying to get a bit deeper than that. Because some people, a lot of people actually stop at the thank you, Lord, for what you did for me salvation thing. But you don't go any deeper. I want to go deeper in a minute. But before we do, this is John again, my favorite scripture in the Bible that I use every week. It's John 3.16. It's so wonderful. When you start studying John, you know now why he is so black and white all the time. And also why so much about love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. That's John. He was there at the cross. Amazing. 
All eyes closed for a moment. Maybe that's you here. Maybe you've never online. Maybe you've never received this gift of love for you. And Jesus says, knock on, he's knocking on the heart, on the door of your heart. He says, I want to come in with you. I want to love you. I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. Is there anybody in this room, anybody online who said, man, I need to make a decision for Christ. I need to say yes to Jesus Christ. I need to receive this gift of love. Anybody who believes, anybody who receives will have eternal life. You become a son and daughter of God. And this love will start pulsating through your life like you've never experienced anything before. Is anybody in this room online? If you are, I want to pray with you for a moment. All heads bowed. It's just between you and God. I'm watching you. If it is you, or maybe 20 years ago, you gave your heart to the Lord. You said, yes, I was a Christian, but I walked away and all this kind of stuff. I just want to come back. Maybe that's you. Is anybody here? Could you lift up your hand for me right now? Because I want to know who I'm praying for today. Is anybody in this room, anybody online, and you say, man, Gideon, I want to be included in your prayer right now of commitment or recommitment to God. Is there anybody in this room that's for, for you? God loves you. God loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Anybody in this room? Anybody online? I want to pray for people online anyway. You don't have to pray with me, but I'm going to pray for those people online. There's always somebody watching in this way. If it's prayer for you, I want you to say, Jesus, come into my life. Change me from the inside out. I receive your love. I receive your life. I receive your healing. I receive your forgiveness. I make you Lord of my life. And I will serve you forever in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's thank you for salvation. God is so good for his salvation to us. What has he done? All of us are saved in his house, I believe. Come on, you've got to be excited about the Lord. What he has done for us is incredible, 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 incredible. Lord, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. But there's so much more. God not only wants to express his love to us, he wants to express his love in us and then through us. Has any of you ever felt that in your life? That happens at the rebirth. I'm almost done. At the rebirth, God comes into your life. Here, here again in John, um, it's amazing, eh, with John again, that he is with the, um, he talks about the woman at the well with Jesus. And then Jesus says to the woman who wants to give him some normal water, and then he says, Jesus, to the woman, says, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him or her shall never thirst again. But the water that I give him shall be in him or her a, let's say together, a well of water springing up into everlasting life and a few chapters later john 7 38 he says and he or she that believes in me as the scriptures has said out of his or her belly some people say why are you always talking about your puko gideon why are you always talking about coming in here because it's in the bible it's actually new king james so it's actually the real 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 bible <laughs> i've taken the heads and the dows out because it doesn't make sense sorry for me he death believes in me, bluff, bluff, blah, 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 blah. His belly shall flow rivers of living water. Romans 5, 5. God's love is poured out into your hearts by the Holy Spirit. When you start receiving the Holy Spirit, when you become a Christian, when the Holy Spirit starts working in your life, liquid love comes into your life. And this well is not all there. It's a river. It comes from heaven. And heaven is also in this area. And it comes through your puku, through your life in this whole thing. The God life comes into your life. But I tell you how many people have put a damn in there. They say, I am not going to allow my emotions to this whole God thing. 
I'm glad that I'm saved and okay, Jesus is my Lord. That's fine. But this whole love thing is too scary. I may cry. I may weep. Or whatever. And so we push this down. No flow, please. Like the Dead Sea, you know? Dead Sea. There's some life in the Dead Sea. They told me the other day. Amazing. Maybe flowing again. Yeah. Stop in your life like this. Fill the Holy Spirit in your life. And God is the unplugger. He is the amazing unplugger. If you allow Him to unplug your inhibitions and your restrictions, He will unplug your life and pull it out. It sounds terrible. It sounds like something else. That's more like it. Pull it out. And as this river starts flowing, the Something will happen. Can I say so many of us are quite stuck up. And the reason why you're stuck up. Nobody here, by the way. I'm just preaching to the world now. The reason why you're stuck up is because you've never allowed this thing to flow in your life. You think you got it all sorted. I am me and I'm a Christian. Like John, you know, I'm right, I'm wrong, whatever. I don't want any emotions. Where the emotions come? Well, the kingdom of God is joy, peace, and righteousness, the Holy Spirit. Joy and peace, all feelings. So I'm so sorry. And love is the most important part of all of this. So, man, when, I, when then God came into my life, I tell you, I was born again at, at 10, and it was a wonderful experience. But at 18, God spilled with the Holy Spirit in Canada when I was on tour playing drums for the Continental Singers. And it was just in Saskatchewan, I think it was, or Calgary. I don't even know where it was anymore. And they prayed for me. They wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Honestly, I was there at 3 a.m. in the Holy Spirit. That was just incredible. I didn't feel that much at that time. The next day, I wake up, and I did not know myself. I was like, it was like electricity had come into my life in such a powerful way and so much joy came in my way. Some people still think, ask me, Gideon, are you on drugs? Are you on, on, on caffeine? No, I don't have caffeine. I don't have drugs. I have nothing. I have a chai. Okay, chai, maybe a little sugar. You know. No, it's all Holy Spirit. It's all stuff that he's done in my life. It's not me. I'm a little bunny. I ever got ADHD? I don't know. Catherine says I do. I have no idea what happened. But, I, I, but I'm not going to test. I'm not going to test myself. I'm not. You want to vote about it? Ah, oh, maybe ADHD. I'm ADHD for Jesus. That's okay, isn't it? Come on. Doesn't matter. But I want to say to you, I mean, that joy has never left me. I remember walking the next day out of the bus, going the bus to another city to do another concert. And I was, um, some people know the story, and I was biting in the seat in front of me, in the, in the, in the head, headrest of the seat in front of me. Ah, like that. Something changed in my life. This flow had been unplugged, and something started happening in my life. Now, I wish this for you and for me, that we all have this unplugged life, right? And that we let the Holy Spirit do what He wants to do and start flowing in this life. It's just amazing. There's absolutely nothing like it in this way. Come on. Has love changed you? I'll tell you, something happened last week in the service. I know most, actually most people stayed, but some people left, you know, after normal time. And it's fine, you go. And then uh, we kept going, and then the Holy Spirit did something, and there was very, several prophetic words in here saying that, that God was commissioning a well. Oh, sorry. We're commissioning a well. And the thing is, though, we, 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 when we started Harmony, we actually had, this, we, we had Harmony Ministries for many years, and so instead we called Harmony again. We said, well, no, I don't have to call anything Harmony. It's fine, whatever. And, and some of the words that came up, we wanted to call it a, the source or the well or something like bubbling up, something like this, this, this thing. 
And in the end, of course, we, we, we still did harmony because I think God said that to us. But I just want to say, from the beginning, we felt like we want to, we want to, we have this well that is in our lives. Catherine and I carry this well personally anyway, but we feel like with this as well. And it's also in the church. And so last week, not only personally, but, but I think corporately, there was this sense of we, we, this is well being commissioned again, but redict, something's going on here. And I thought, this is absolutely amazing. There was such joy in the house. Just joy in the house and then deep worship. Both, you know, both crazy. And you can be there, please. I love Dajel. I mean, Dajel, she's wonderful. She stands on the seats. Come on. Exciting. You can stand on these seats. I don't know, as long as you clean, clean your shoes. You know? You'll stand on the seats and, and be, don't go crazy. Who does she does it again? Guys, <laughs> right there. Come on, why don't you do that? Why don't you go crazy for the Lord? I was at T.D. Jake's church the other day, like five years ago. And, uh, <laughs> Honestly, black church. I mean, they've got it there. I want to be black. I'm so sorry. Black church. And these guys are there, you know. And when you come into the door, it's amazing. This massive guy, like, massive. And he comes to me. I'm the chief hugger here. Get you? He holds my hand and he wouldn't let me go, you know. And I'm like totally dissolved to this guy. You know? Anyway, you, you go a few of those before you even get into the auditorium, right? And then they go, and then he's got a pianist like you, you know, this guy. And actually, um, uh, T.D. Jakes was not preaching. It was um, the other guy from Portland. Um, as famous, amazing guy. And he had his own piano player, big guy, big smile. And they said, oh, it's coming, it's coming, I'm sure it's coming. And three times during his sermon, you know, everybody went absolutely berserk in this place with some song, you know, and there was the choir, they just won an Emmy Award, you know, and they were like crazy people, you know. But the thing is, though, that's what church is like, guys. That's what your life should look like. There's enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is a Christian word. With enthusiasm with love and power of God in your life. The people know, hey, there's a difference here in your life. Why are you so different? Why are you so happy? Even though it's a bad time, a hard time, a difficult time. I know some of us have difficult time. This is yesterday, but Catherine's, my, my, my brother's wife's sister's dying. Brain, they can do nothing anymore. She'll be gone soon. 50 years old. Health, health freak. Unfair. Yeah, it's unfair. Things happen in this life. We don't understand everything. But the thing is, in the midst of the pain, and we see the Bible is full of it, but also our lives are full of it, that in the midst of the pain, in the midst of disappointment, God is still good. And he still works all things for good for those who love him and call by his name. And so we, we keep going. But you know, the keep going is not because you're awesome or because you're strong or because you're handsome or because you have lots of money. It has nothing to do with that. It's because God is in you. In you. And it's coming out. And he will comfort you. And in your weakness, you'll become strong. It's amazing. But that is the love of God. When Jesus said, the, the lady called it adultery, you know. You saw him riding in the... Um, in the ground, I don't even know what he was writing, you know, maybe scripture, maybe I love you or awesome, whatever. And, and it says, who, who, who is, uh, you know, the first, first sin, with, you know, throw the first stone, you know, those without sin. And everybody walked away and said, it's just me and you. I said, okay, well, here we go. God bless you and uh, just don't sin anymore. Don't do it again. It's helpful for your life, you know. His grace, it's love. It's not... I think we've got to watch out as a church, even globally or even nationally, that we've got to watch out that we are not the watchdog as much as we have maybe been in the past. Now, I don't mind watching, but go to it in prayer and do stuff in there. I don't mind saying some stuff. I don't mind doing some stuff. But make sure that it doesn't overwhelm or overwhelm the love or underwhelm the love that we have. They shall know us by our love. Amen? 
by our love. Now we come to the favorite meal in my life. <clears throat> I do it every day, as you know, communion, because it's every day with Jesus. It's everything. This is everything. This is what Jesus stands for. That's why the meal is so awesome. That's why he told us to do it every day. It's just like the way it is. And so, and so this meal is just absolutely powerful. But today I want this meal to, to unplug us a little bit today. When we take it today, I want you to have a sense of, hey, Lord, I want to, to be unplugged. I want to be unplugged. Jesus. Last night he, uh, he broke his bread. He says, this is my body that was broken for you. For your healing. And every time you look at me, it's like the serpent in the desert, Moses. Every time you look at me, you can find healing for your soul, for your body. It's an eternal river that just flows all the time. Take and eat. And you'll find strength for your soul and healing for your body. And then he took the cup. And this is this the cup of my blood, new covenant. Forgiveness of sin. Now I want to say something because I forgot it last week to say. Remember two weeks ago I cut the soap? I talked about John 1, so it's that beautiful scripture that we use and think it's a Christian scripture. 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us. It's not a Christian at all. It's not it's for unbelievers. It's a salvation prayer. It's only one prayer like this. The new covenant is that prayer. It was for the Gnostics who didn't believe in sin. Did you know that, and that's why I said, don't use the soap for cleansing. You're cleansed forever. When you make a mistake, you're still cleansed. You're still saved. You're still holy. Jesus, because Jesus, look what it says here. It says here, this is the love of God. Not that we love God, 1 John 4, 10, but that he loved us and sent the son as an atoning sacrifice. It has been done. Did you know, I don't even know where the Christian world gets this whole thing from. Did you know that in the old covenant, nothing but confession to get rid of your sin was always the blood. What happened? Once a year, remember? Yom Kippur, the great day of atonement, every year, once for one year, everybody was clean again. Clean again. Not because they confessed, or they were wailing, or whatever they were doing. They were clean again for one year. Whatever they were doing that year, they were clean. And again, one more year. It's very nice. You can have it if you want to. It's very nice. Dove soap. Dove is like the Holy Spirit. That's why I took the dove one. Dove. Guys, you are cleansed forever. That's what we celebrate. This is not for, Lord, please forgive my sin. No, this is thank you, Jesus, that I'm in righteous forever. Not only that, it's really a celebration of your new covenant rights. It's the inheritance that you have. It's all in this cup. Look at it. It's all in this cup. It's the new covenant. It's the kingdom of God. It's the promised land. It's all in this cup. Look, look. That's why I have it every day. Because God wants us to remind, remind me and remind you who you are and what you have in your life so we can have faith in the finished work of Christ, have faith in our circumstances every day when we do stuff in our lives. We have faith. So take it today. But today, let the love of God manifest in your life. Just, just be aware of the love. Say, thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me. And that's an action thing. But because of this, I've become near. Not, not only near, you've come into my life close in my heart in my puku and your love surrounds me is in me is through me every day of my life and this will shape my life and change my life and empower me for life so let's just do it father thank you so much for sending jesus thank you so much for this incredible meal that we celebrate once again today 
And we thank you for the power this meal has for us to bring healing through your broken body, healing to our soul, mind, and spirit in every way, but also for the cup. It's the cup of the new covenant in your blood. Lord, it's the kingdom of God, and we celebrate your kingdom, and we celebrate your love, and we receive, and we redig the well. We redig the well. We allow you, Lord Jesus, to come closer to see what you want to do through your love in Jesus' name.